Hey, what's going on? It is Cooper. Welcome to Cooperville Podcast, proudly brought to you by Midwest Meals. Dan Beck and the crew over there doing good things, fighting obesity, and making life so much easier. I just picked up my week's worth of meals, looking forward to not only dinner, but lunches throughout the week. Quick, easy, and maybe another big factor in this, no cleanup. If you hate that post-dinner, clearing off the table, gotta do the dishes, putting them all away, eh, free up that time. Just had a 95% rule episode, bonus episode that dropped, talking about managing your time better. This will aid in that. MidwestMeals.com. Go check out their 12 rotating meals they have. Build a meal. Again, your macros are on there. Your calorie count's on there. Everything you need to know for a leaner, better, healthier you. And they ship nationwide. So no matter where you're listening to the podcast in the United States, you can have Midwest Meals delivered right to your door. You get your order in by Friday at midnight. They ship out on Monday. And you'll have your stuff by Tuesday or Wednesday of the next week. Good to go. Pop it in the microwave, eat, and boom. And remember, at checkout, use the promo code COOPER and get 10% off your first order. MidwestMeals.com. Hashtag MidwestFitFam. The podcast is also brought to you by Violent Gentleman Hockey Club online at ViolentGentleman.com. Using that promo code COOPERVILLE15 at checkout and get 15% off your first order there. And we're talking hockey season in full effect and you not wanting to rock that jersey anymore. You want some badass, kick-ass hockey gear? Violent Gentleman has it. And they are huge, huge supporters of our first responders and our military. ViolentGentleman.com. Check them out on all the socials. And that promo code, Cooperville15, to get 15% off your first order at ViolentGentleman.com. And the fuel that gets me through the afternoon, Monster Energy, my fave, Monster Hydro, my new fave. Yeah, I've been kind of diving into the Monster Hydro. So you got hydration, you got focus, you got energy, all in one bottle of deliciousness. Boom. Look for Monster Energy and Monster Hydro and Muscle Monster at your local grocer and or convenience store. Hashtag Monster Podcasts. Great conversation is headed your way. Mixie of Stitched Up Heart is my guest on this episode of the podcast. And we go through kind of all of it, from hugging Jack Black to her picking up the guitar again to a big scare in her career that happened not so long ago. The Mixie episode of the Welcome to Cooperville podcast starts right now. Welcome to Cooperville. The Welcome to Cooperville podcast. On demand anywhere quality podcasts are available. And some places where cheap podcasts are available. And the local gas station has some. Subscribe. Get updates. Feel better about your life. Welcome to Cooperville.com. Welcome to Cooperville. Make sure you use a coaster. The wife gets upset when we leave rings on the tables. The first time I met Mixie, they came to our, our studio. And I'm, I'm always, with every artist that ever came in, I'm always very cordial. I extend my hand for a shake, and she pushed my hand out of the way and said, No, I hug. And that's that's how this all be. I don't know, handshakes, it feels so professional and I'm very clearly not professional as you can tell from trying to organize just us hanging out and talking. Um, my alarm went off, what, an hour ago and I thought, oh my gosh, I missed it because I usually have someone handle all this stuff but you and I kind of put this thing together just right. talking to each other. I'm like, well, maybe it's good for Wednesday, maybe Saturday. This is why I'm not in charge of my organization. But anyway, yeah, I like to hug. I think that it's more of a, I don't know. Like I, I have had some really, I, there's more of an like connection there, right. but I have had some interesting 
situations where I've tried to hug someone and they like back off, like, don't touch me. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is really awkward now. And everybody's around and watching and you're just like, ooh, this is weird. So now I'm a little, yeah. Yeah. Denied, denied the hug. Ouch. I did. Yeah. But I think that, you know, and that goes to show, I think a lot of like, maybe what the world needs a little bit more of is kind of this compassion. You know, I've, my, my statement has like become lately, we're all kind of flying through space on this rock together, you know, and we're either going to get destroyed by an asteroid or we're going to have to try to start getting along. And I think when you just incorporate those little things into just, you know, for you, just who you are as a human being, it just, it lightens things up. It makes things not so tense, less business-like, more like, Hey, you know, we're, we all, we, we all just got to get along. You know who I hugged recently? Okay, so he went in for the handshake like you do, Jack Black. And uh, so I got to meet him. I'll tell you about what I did like two weeks ago. It was a really cool event that I did. But um, I saw him on the bill. We were singing this whole David Bowie tribute thing for Music Cares Charity um, with Billy Idol, Gavin Rossdale, Jack Black, Juliette Lewis. And I saw him and he was like the one person I just like had to like, I have to have conversation with this guy. And he came in for the handshake, introduced himself as Jack, like, I'm not going to know who you are. Um, and I was like, no, 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 we need the hug. Like, we, I need a hug from you. And I got a hug. And that was, like, the highlight of probably my year. <laughs> but, That's... yeah, he's a really cool guy. He's got a killer voice on him. He's really, like, really good. Yeah, he's one of those guys that can kind of can do it all. I mean, there's... It seems like if you gave him, like, hey, I would like you to learn how to style hair, he'd be like, yeah, I got that. And would just, yeah. he, he like, could just figure it out. He's he's kind of got that jack of all jack of all trades. Jack, black of all trades, yeah. Oh. No, he, seriously, like, he's, I think that he's just a natural and he's very confident mm-hmm. in anything he does. Like, I saw him pro, and I hadn't seen Dave in a long time, and he, he took me in because I was a little nervous. I'm with, like, all these super, like, classic been around for a long time kind of people and I'm I haven't been that nervous in a while so I was like oh my gosh and Dave's like don't worry like you got this they made sure I felt comfortable and like um they were just also like uh helpful anyway uh it seems like the actors Jack Black when I watched him and Juliette Lewis which I had a conversation with her and she's so easy to talk to she's just like you know, natural born killers, you you think that, but then like, uh, I met her and instantly I just started yapping, 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 and I couldn't shut up. And she was probably (laughs) like, I need to go. But, (laughs) but it was just one of those, like, I felt like I could just, she could be my best friend and it would be cool. But, um, it seems like the actors, she did a cover of the Stooges. So they did the whole Stooges first album and then the whole, um, David Bowie, Ziggy Stardust album. Um, and she did two Stooges and she like completely embraced the Iggy Pop like vibe. Like nice. she just went like all out. Like I thought like if it was me up there, I would have rotated a hip or something <laughs> with the way she was throwing herself all over the stage. It was so cool and super rock and roll. And Jack went up there. He had some drag queens up on stage with him. I was hanging out with them earlier. It was really fun. Um, but he... My dad flew out for it, so we were watching the uh, the sound check, 
And I was like, there's Jack Black. And he's side stage, just getting ready. He's like rocking out side stage, like just prepping for it in his head. He was ready to just go up there and slay. You know, you could tell he just like was in there in the moment. Um, And my dad, I was like, look, that's Jack over there. And he's like, no way. And he gets up there and he does his Jack Black thing. You know, like he has his thing. It's just it's like there's nobody I know that does like him like it's just like kind of like the Christopher Walken voice. Like you've got that thing that like everybody knows that's you, you know, like, and he just did his thing. Um, and it was, it was really cool at the very, very end of the night. I didn't talk to him too much throughout the show because I didn't, he was being, you know, just everybody from every side. I wish I got his cell phone number. I'd be texting him every single day, but um, at the very end of the night, I finally, uh, he was just about to leave and everybody's trying to get pictures with him. And I was like, no, I'm not going to get a picture because it would just be another person trying to get a picture. And this PR girl was like, no, 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 we're, we're, I'm blocking the door. We're going to get this picture. And I was like, oh no. So he's like, I'm the last one out when he's ready to leave. And she stops him. She goes, Jack stop. You have to take a picture with my friend. And he looks over and he goes, Oh, heck yeah. I'm going to take a picture. And I was like, yay. Cause he was telling people like, that's enough. I, I'm good. I got to go guys. Come on. And I was like, wait, he said like, he still is fine with the picture. Anyway, it's super out of focus and blurry, but I got like evidence that I met him and we hugged. Very cool. That's cool. awesome. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's something cool about unique personalities and people that do kind of, uh, really do their their own damn thing and they have their own identity and they're they really have no question about who that person is i don't think i don't think jack has any questions about who he is what he does nor does he have ever set himself limitations on what he could do so awesome yeah i mean i feel like there's something deeper to it like that he doesn't put on like there the comfort confidence he eludes I think can sometimes be an illusion because we all feel that way sometimes where we're like, just, just own it. Or maybe you go into this place in your mind where you just like, as soon as I get up on a stage, I'm in, I'm, that's what I am. And that's where I feel most comfortable. But that whole, you know, six months leading up to that hailstorm in this moment, like, oh my gosh, my voice is going to break. I'm going to, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to, you know, internally combust or something like all this stuff and then you get up on the stage and it turns into just like second nature. So, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting when, when you see somebody that knows who they are a hundred percent. I think it's cool to hear the, you know, the stories about the nerves and the prep that goes into going on a big tour like that. Cause I think artists, um, I think superstar athletes, I think, you know, people that are getting in on a stage or on a field or on a court in front of a bunch of people. Cause the people that come to your show, they, that's what they see. They see the show. They mm-hmm. don't, you know, they're, they're not witness to the months leading up to that show or that tour where it's rehearsals, it's getting the timing down. It's, you know, hoping you don't spontaneously combust, which is, you know, <laughs> something maybe we should all concern ourselves with a little bit more this day and age. But that's what I think, you know, separates, um, you know, people who, who can't quite get to that level and people who, who are at that level or going there because they put in the time, because they put in the effort, they put in the sweat. And then when they go out and they don't start on fire, <laughs> magic things happen. And you know, you talked about the Jack Black thing being a part of the uh, magical year of 2019, but it's been, it's been kind of a 
big year for for you for the band i mean there was yeah. a, there was a break and, and we'll kind of get to all that stuff and we'll, we'll bounce around because i have add um so i apologize in advance um but it's a crazy year for you yeah um well we did the godsmack full yeah. beat tour earlier this year which uh was an insane thing i mean so about a year and a half ago, we got that hailstorm uh, in this moment, New Year's Day tour, which I've been inspired by these women for a very long time. And it was really just a magical thing. And that was our first arena tour. And I remember asking Lizzie, like, who was your first, who was your first arena tour? You're our first arena tour. And she's like, it was actually Godsmack. And I was like, well, that's really cool. And then I didn't even think about it. And Sully and I had just become friends over the years. Um, and, you know, somehow he wanted to help us out. And somehow, I don't know how, because usually with a, with a band like that big where they're bringing, you know, doing arenas, headlining, right. it's hard to get on a tour like that. There's so many people, so many bands, so many managers, so many booking agents fighting for that position. And Sully really, really went to bat for us to, like, kind of stop anyone in their tracks they like we're we're putting these guys on the road and this is the way it's gonna be and um everybody has their 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 goal and at the time we didn't even have a booking agent wow so we were just like yeah we want to do this and then it was just the u.s dates at first which was like eight shows and we're just sitting there just holding on hoping that canada happens i've never wanted to go to canada so bad in my whole life <laughs> But uh, but then that happened like a week before we were about to leave, and we're like, okay, cool, this is awesome. So, um, again, like that was, it was pretty nerve wracking because we had we just upgraded a ton of gear. They well overpaid us. Sully made sure that we got paid more than we're worth for for this tour, um, so that we were able to afford all this new gear and equipment to make everything sound so much better in arena situations. We used to have been playing clubs right. and stuff like that. So um, so we spent all this time. We have all this gear. No idea if it's going to go well or not. And if it does mess up, it's in front of 12,000 people. You know, who cares? <laughs> there's, no um, way they, there's no way they could share that kind of mess up. No, there's not no. Facebook or anything. No. Only 12,000 people in, uh, where was it? So there was two really, really bad front of house mix shows mm. where we didn't have a sound guy. We now, this is going to be our first tour going out next with Steel Panther, mm. that we're going to have a front of house sound guy. And you're really at the, you're at their mercy. And yeah. we didn't realize how important it was to have somebody at front of house. And for the first seven Godsmack shows, we didn't have anybody out there and they just had some random tech guy doing it who was doing a very, very poor job. I don't know who it was. I don't know what was going on. All I know is that we got a couple of Facebook messages saying, hey, I think you guys were good, but I could only hear bass or like I couldn't hear your vocals at all. I don't know what's happening, but you need to fire the sound guy. And we're like, oh, no, <laughs> not in front of 7000 people. Oof. Um, so, you know, uh, we lived and learned it wasn't till, um, I believe it was Minneapolis, Minnesota, which is like the sixth show, uh, that we actually got a sound check <laughs> so we could check and make sure everything's working right. Like a legit sound check. Wow. And I went up to Sully and their sound guy who was super nice. His name's Eric, um, a new, new guy working for them. And 
I was like, hey, so let me just show you these comments that we were getting, receiving from the other end. And if there's anything we can do, like we'll pay money. It doesn't matter. We need to make sure that the front of house sounds good. Um, and Sully was like, yeah, this is a tour package. We want to make sure the whole tour is sounding good. And Eric was like, yeah, I mean, I'll take, if you want to pay me in wine, I'm good. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh my yes. God, he's the best. We're like, great. Cause our drummer was trying to quit drinking at the time. And we still <laughs> had two, two wine bottles that we would be given on our writer every single show that eventually our drummer got to, but anyway, we won't talk about that. <laughs> Decker. Uh, yeah, Decker, oh, Decker, yeah. but uh, but yeah. So we would just give him our wine bottles every show, and he just took care of us and made sure you know it started to dial it in. By Canada, we started sounding like a real band, um, and it just took a little bit with that size of an arena because we hadn't really, you know, we done we did the arenas with like Hailstorm in this moment. I think that we were using one of their sound guys, so it was sounding pretty good out front for the most part, from what I could tell. Right. Um, we didn't get any crazy feedback like we did with that. So now we um, tried out this dude, um, Steve, who's going to come us on the Steel Panther run, which, by the way, is going to be super wow. interesting. Oh, my gosh. That a, uh, that's a wild show right there. Oof. Yeah. Oh, man. I asked my mom. <laughs> I want to know how this conversation went. I must know how this went. I know, Mom. So how, did you see? Because we're coming through Indiana, so we're going to spend Thanksgiving with her, and she's cool. going to come out to one of the shows. And I'm like, I don't know if you, you know, checked out Steel Panther, but, um, you know, some of their songs are like, Gang bang in the old folks' home, and that's one of my favorites. It's a classic. Uh, you know, that's a classic. Asian Hooker, and um, some of their new ones. I think uh, Gods of Pussy mm. is one of them. And anyway, you get the point. Yeah. I can say that it's a podcast. Yeah. Um, FCC monitoring <laughs> this shit. Right. So, so yeah. So all this stuff, uh, and I was like, "What do you think?" <laughs> She's like. Oh, they're just really horny, aren't they? And I'm like, yeah, well, yeah. Is, yeah. She, she was like, it's cool. It's whatever. You know, they're just uh, boys being boys. <laughs> that is. Yeah. Um, I, I saw I saw the posting that went up uh, and I was like, huh, that's going to be <laughs> wild. I'm talking to Mixie. We'll have to put that into the conversation. And, and the fact that you're, you know, your mom sounds like an absolute sweetheart. Like they're just horny boys. It's going to be fun. <laughs> You know, I mean, okay, so to be fair, they've been around the, the L.A. scene for a while, and I've seen them so many times out here, and they've always been super sweet, and our bass player and the singer um, are really good friends, cool. and they just, uh, he asked if he would want to do the tour, and we're like, yeah, we're totally down, so, like, I know that there's going to be some people that are like, you know, they, they support treating women wrong or something but it's funny it's yeah. a joke like get it you know it's just a joke so um i don't take it seriously i know that they're not really like that right. and um you know do with it like well it's going to be an interesting show that's for sure absolutely now i want to talk a little bit about not the industry necessarily but you know you mentioned relationships um you know becoming friends with sully um and and how that that legit friendship not just like a, yeah, you know, I'm, yeah, I mean, me and Sully, you know, we're buds, you know, I follow him on Insta, you know, we're, we're probably like that. I, I got a selfie with him, but like actual genuine friendships and, you know, in, in any industry, 
and what that can do um, just because they know who you are. They obviously understand the band. And obviously when they're on tour, I mean, that's those boys from Boston, that's their work. You know, they're going out to, to put on the best show, you know, bringing a, a, a big band like Volbeat along with them. I mean, that's a two-headed monster. They want that thing to be like the shit. Like, we're coming to your town and we're going to kick your ass and then we're going to leave and we're going to go next town and do the same thing. So to be handpicked because of a relationship that you developed, I think just it really goes to show a lot for uh, for your character because I think um, it goes back to the hug. I mean, you're just like genuinely you know, a positive, good person. And there's, there's not a lot of fake when it comes to, um, to you genuinely being good and, and developing those relationships and happened to work out really well for, for the Godsmack tour, the relationship, uh, for the Steel Panther tour. I mean, that's when you cut out all the crap, cause there's, you mentioned the crap that's in the middle agents over here and people over here and this guy over here and this guy owes this guy a favor because of that one thing that happened in Detroit it, it's nice to be able to have somebody cut through the crap and say, you know what, come along, come. We want you to be come along with us and let's uh, let's make some good things happen. So, just what an awesome year so far. It's not, yeah. even, not even over yet. I know. Um, yeah, I think a huge thing, and I realized that recently as well. It's like relationships that we built in the very beginning. I remember well when we first got signed with Century Media, and our first song ever came out in. Um, uh, it was finally free yep. and nobody in radio had ever heard about us. We, nobody had any idea who we were. Um, and we went out with this band like a storm. Yep. Uh, I believe that it was failure anthem and, uh, ashes from, from ashes to new yep. was on that bill. And we're all still friends with them too. We all like became actually this last like a storm tour happened because we're friends with like a storm still, but the like a storm tour was a radio tour. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know anyone in the active rock. I didn't know what an active rock chart was. Like I had no <laughs> idea what any of this whole world is. Like it was all new to me. And um, every show there was a radio station and we'd make friends with them. And like, it was because like a storm that we were introduced that way and they were able to see the show and we were able to meet. And did we meet during the like a storm tour? Was that the one or was it? Yeah. It was a yeah. Lucas Storm tour because uh, we had yeah the same day we had you guys in. I think uh, Failure Anthem came in, um, mm-hmm. and Matt Brooks is my homeboy. I'm gonna get that put on a shirt and I, I wear it just loud and proud all over. Um, yeah. I love him. I just I I love that dude so much. But it, that was yeah that was the first time it was on that run uh, that you guys stopped uh, and we didn't handshake. We hung. Yeah, yeah, and they were you know what I love the Like a Storm yeah. crew. They're whole they're just like really really welcoming and sweet and i don't think like i'm a girl i get grumpy every once in a while when i haven't had like my monster energy in the morning (laughs) or my uh it's all about the monster java by the way um but if i haven't you know if i'm sleepy and i'm hungry uh sometimes i'll be cranky and like i never once saw one of those boys cranky i was like come on get mad at something like just one thing <laughs> but like you know you're in yeah. close corners so it gets like that but um but for the most part like this last tour we did with them through fire and wilson was yeah. like the chillest tour ever i mean it was just like there was no pressure we were all just hanging out no no drama, not one thing. Everybody was cool. So um, I love those guys. But yeah, because of that, we met and we met a lot of people in radio. Um, Lost to the song that Sully sang on 
We didn't actually, the label never put money behind that song for a radio campaign. They just kind of said like, hey, and Decker and I went and sent it to everyone we knew right. that we met from mainly from that, like a storm tour. Um, and it just kind of hung out in the charts, like between 40 and 50 for like a few months without like an actual full on campaign behind it, which is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Like if there was actually money behind it, it could have done something good. Right. But um, that's just without any financial backing, you know, and for, because of the relationships we built and the people that care about us like you and I hope you do, I care about you. So, um, oh, little heart hearts, and hearts. all of the, you know, yeah. the friends. Yeah. And I think that's such an important thing in an industry and, and, and I'll throw radio in there too, just because that's the, you know, I spent 20 years of my life being in radio and, and, the latter part of my career in active rock radio last I shouldn't say latter part but the last 10 years of it and that's in our market that's what it became about the charts are going to be the charts um, the bands that are going to shoot to the top of the charts are going to be the bands that shoot to the top of the charts what we wanted to do and what you know a lot of radio stations that that I was fans of wanted to do was make it about more than just we play the top 10 songs 30 times a day we play the next 10 songs 25 times a day. We want to develop relationships with bands because when what we realized in the infancy of the station that we built was when a band is real and tangible and like approachable, they do so much better in our market. They when they come and do a club show, that show sells out because they're real. You know, the arena show, the big shows, you know, the festivals, those are going to sell on their own merit. You know, when you have a band that comes in and they're willing, you know, they'll do an acoustic. You know, I think we had you guys do uh, an acoustic set for a bunch of listeners in our in our basement, um, you know, like a converted accounting office or something. They're like, this is your room now because we fired those people. Uh, so you can do whatever you want. We're like, give us some paint. We got nothing else to do on a Saturday. Um, but we wanted to create this intimate relationship between fans and, and artists. And so I think that all stems back to that relationship thing, cultivating it between artists and radio. And and now, even you know, seven years removed from that, it's those relationships are tougher and tougher to come by just because the radio industry is is changing so much. It's becoming a little less cared for and a little less like you know human beings running it. Um, so it to be able to have a song like that, especially when you know you have the likes of uh, of Sully Erna on it get some play that is all because of relationship that's all because of the people you met the network that you laid down and as you said on the road tour dates you know probably doing wednesday thursday fridays saturdays and some sunday shows you get the one off day but it's not just going to the venue sound check rest eat perform it's radio it's gonna go here you know stopping for coffee there's so much more that goes into it so to take the time out to cultivate those relationships says a lot about artist character and that obviously carries within you know the music industry and and the people that you've made good friends with yeah absolutely a hundred percent if you're a, you know what i was actually talking to sully about this recently he said a lot of a lot of bands that have he hates people that have those egos you know that like like treat everybody like dirt and um they're better than and like that they deserve this and other people don't and all this stuff is he's like those bands always end up just staying yeah. you know 
like eh, they get somewhere but it's not going to be that that big place that you want to be but because because they burn bridges and like people don't want to work i don't know how some people work with people that are jerks but um i like to surround myself personally by people that are good to other people you know yeah i think you know they say you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with i'm guessing some of those are probably in your band well, everybody in my band's a jerk, but well, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> they'll never hear the podcast. Yeah. We won't tag them in it. But, you know, that, that's that's so key. And I think for people who are, uh, you know, growing their, you know, their brand or their, their band, I mean, you know, you guys have been, you know, finally free came out, was it 2016? Is that 15, 16? Uh, the end of 2015, yeah. I think. So it's, you know, having a song out, having a follow-up song out, you know, Monster is still one of my favorite you know, like active rock songs that we ever played. Just when that song came out, it like, it was right there. It was in, it was in the heartstrings. Thanks to you. But, but to keep on going, uh, through a, you know, through, you know, not having a booking agent and not having, you know, some of these things in in the hiatus while you guys were writing, you know, the new record, you know, but you keep moving forward and you keep developing relationships with different people. And you kind of, as you get, you know, better and more positive you surround yourself with more positive people and that just kind of continues to grow and the negative people and the the shit talkers and the you're never going to make it that were there from probably you know when you were knee high to a grasshopper they're in the past now and you just kind of keep on that upward trajectory yeah well i mean there was a big hiatus and we'll get we'll get kind of deep and i haven't been very um vocal about this because i i feel like it's something that i i don't know whether or not i should share Mm -hmm. but i feel like why not talk about it with you right here so um so before we released the never alone album um we did ship rocked and hailstorm was on that this is not too far after we met uh and i was super stoked to meet lizzie like i was such a wuss luckily i knew shannon guns she knew lizzie and i was she's like just go up and say hi she's really nice and i'm like i don't know what to say to her (laughs) like i love that woman and so, um, anyway, I couldn't, I couldn't muster up the gut to say hi to her. So she eventually came up to me and I was like, oh my God, thank God. Cause I just, <laughs> I was too much of, I literally, this was the first words I said to Lizzie Hale. I was too much of a pussy to come up to you and say hi. So nice to meet you. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, um, and I started talking to her and we, we pretty much clicked immediately and uh, we started talking about vocals as singers do. And I was like, what do you do to like, I'm, I'm always on vocal rest and I don't know why. And I don't like, I, I am constantly having to hide so that I ground myself from talking too much because I will talk and clearly. And um, she's like, well, why don't you go and see a doctor and see if there's anything wrong? And I was like, she's like, at least you'll know. And I was like, okay, cool. So I went to see a doctor and right before Never Alone album came out, he told me, well, you have polyps on your vocal cords. So he's like, I can't believe you're even singing right now. And I was like, well, I have an album coming out. And he's like, good luck. (laughs) I'm like, okay, well, so I guess I just got to basically sing uh, polyps are basically like blisters on your vocal cords and you can't close your cords all the way to get the notes out. So it takes a lot more 
energy to push those notes. So you'll see a lot of pictures of me, my veins popping out of my neck, trying to go for that note and just pushing as hard as I can at a certain point. So I went for the entire tour cycle with these messed up vocal cords. Um, towards the end of it, it was like, it was, it was a struggle. It was really, really difficult. And I knew that at a certain point I was going to have to have surgery. So as soon as we finished the Hell or High Water tour, I went to have surgery and he said, oh yeah, you'll be good. You'll be good in like two months. Uh, I was not. <laughs> I had a couple of festivals I had to perform. It was very difficult. Somehow we made it through it. But, um, but yeah, uh, there was a point where I was unable to sing the most simple melodies in church and I was just like what why am I going through this and I try I try to look at everything um with like there's a reason for it like right. what is the good in this where what am I going to learn from this and what can I, I I guess the biggest thing is I really want to share my story but I don't want people to listen to my voice and be like oh is she like all messed up and can't sing anymore kind of crap you know so but I want people to know that all right, well, I had that surgery and it was really rough and I couldn't close my cords for my life to save me to get those notes out for a while. And I knew that Hailstorm tour was six months away and I worked every single day on my vocals. And, um, you know, even that tour, I wasn't completely 100 percent and I'm still not, but I never was in the first place. Um, but I work really, really hard every single day and I'm still doing I'm doing the biggest tours of my life since I had the surgery. And you know, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't combust or whatever spontaneously. No, no spontaneous explode. combustion. Yeah, it's good. So, um, but it was terrifying, and I think that just what it showed me is that when something like that, like my voice was taken from me, like I couldn't do the thing that I've been working on my entire life for, um, and I didn't know, if, I didn't know what else to do. I really don't have a second plan. Like this is it for me. So. So yeah, I don't know why I'm sharing that with you. I haven't really been telling anyone that I haven't had a one-on-one -on -one conversation with an interview is especially um, just because I think that it's something that was private. I just think I'm almost at a hundred percent and I, I'm never going to be pitch perfect, but I'm working really, really hard to try to be the best singer I can possibly be every single day. So, well, first, I don't thank, know. thank you for, um, for sharing that. I mean, there's, you talk about something that you have your whole life. This has been your thing. You know, this is, you know, this is the dream. This is the every day. This is the, you know, give up at, you know, years ago, give up any other avenues that were out there and just say, nope, this is, I'm going for this. This is my end game is, is I'm going to be in a band. I'm going to be out on the road, kicking ass and making records and changing lives and doing good. Cause there's a whole lot of good that you do. But when you when you're faced with that like abrupt challenge, and especially being you know having Lizzie of all people who is amazing, this person that you look up to and you idolize, say hey you know you want you might want to go get this checked out, and then you do, and then you get the news, and you're able to keep going, you know you're not deterred. It, it's not you know you're like well this eight hey, this sucks, but I have. I have bigger goals. I have bigger dreams. This isn't the end of my story. You know, Stitched Up Heart doesn't go into the, hey, yeah, that, that was that band back in, you know, 2015, 16, and, and 17 that had those songs, and the story does, wasn't going to end there. 
and I think when you talk about something that you work on every day and you you know it, it becomes a part of your your routine because you you do want to keep striving to get to 100 percent and then to get to the 100 percent and then get better um, you know will determination uh, and, and really having to fight against something that you don't have at that point didn't have any control over you know you know you didn't go out and swallow a glass bottle or you know <laughs> smoke a pack and a half a camel light today like this will be fine but there's there's something about hearing that story because like i said this podcast has become about when you're faced with a challenge when you're faced with something in life um that you're like well shit uh I'm either going to crawl into this hole and no one's ever going to hear from me again, you know, put a stick up at someday with a cross on it and say, well, he was fun. Or you go, fuck it. How do we get through it? How do we get to the next day? And you know, there's going to be days that suck and there's going to be days that are great. And then there's going to be days that suck and you go, I miss the great days, but you keep on moving forward. And it's so awesome that, that not as awesome that it happened, but the fact that it happened, you overcame it in 2019, you kind of kicked its ass. I mean, (laughs) You, you kind of said, eh, eh, bring it on and, and look at what, you know, this year has been, you know, with, uh, with the big tours and, and, and getting out and, and not just getting in front of new fans and creating new fans, but, you know, the juice is flowing and, you know, being on the road and being amongst all these other artists and just, you know, being inspired. Fucking good for you, Mixie. Damn. <laughs> Thank you. You know, what's going to be really cool at this next tour, speaking of working hard, So I got my first guitar when I was 15 years old. I asked for a guitar for my birthday. Um, I got this little crappy Harmony electric guitar with the sunburst paint. And like, just because Bob Marley had a sunburst guitar in a video. And it was totally not even the same guitar, but I thought so because it was the same color. Whatever. Anyway, so for the longest time, I've played guitar. And um, I stopped playing when this band, when I first put this band together, because they're the guy, the original guitar player that we had was so good. I just was like, I'm never going to be that good. I'm just, I quit. (laughs) Like, I'm not going to, I'm just going to leave it to him because he's way better than me. Right. And, you know, over time we eventually got a second guitar player. And so for a while it had been five people. So two guitar players in this band. And, this one rhythm section keeps rotating. It's this one guy that like can't commit or has a girlfriend that doesn't want him in the band or something, or he wants to do his own band. You know, the, the right. typical guitar player solo project <laughs> thing. So anyway, um, I was like this last run, I was like, I'm just sick of rotating this rhythm section. And, and me and Merritt, our yep. um, lead guitarist, he, he was like, do we need a second guitar player? He's like, let me... Like, let me see if we can get away with this live. And if it's going to, because we're going to have a sound guy for the front of house to make sure the mix is good. Or you can play the parts that we absolutely need a guitar in, a second guitar. Because there's some, like Catch Me When I Fall, for example, has this one guitar going and then the other guitar comes in. And unless we were putting that on tracks, and I mean, we have a lot of synths and stuff like in harmonies in our tracks. We do have tracks and, and I don't care what people say about that, yeah. but... Um, but we want the, the guitar to be the guitar as much as possible. Um, so I'm going to play guitar on this next tour, um, for Catch Me When I Fall. Yeah, yeah I'm really yeah. excited. 
I cut off my nails. Oh, I've been no. practicing every single day. Actually, Merritt's been giving me a lot of lessons on stuff that I never really touched base on before. Because, again, like, I always had a guitar. Like, I was always hiding behind a guitar before this band. Mm -hmm. And I never really was the front person until 2008. And I never understood. Like, somehow I became just me and a microphone, not carrying any gear. And... Today, I went to Guitar Center to, like, set up my old Schecter that I got for free a long time ago in this girl band I was playing rhythm for. And I was like, my fingers are all calloused up again. It yeah. feels good. And I'm Nutty. like, man, so I'm, like, obsessed with this thing. Like, I can't stop playing it. I wanted to bring it to the hair salon the other day because I was just <laughs> like, would this be weird? So I brought my guitar. But um, anyway, so I'm getting back into it. So I'm not, like shreddy mcgee or anything but um i'm working every single day at that as right. well as the vocals and uh just i'm just tired of the, the rhythm guitar players out there <laughs> and yeah. their girlfriends and their big i'm gonna destroy my own solo project okay Sure. Yeah, every time, every time. <laughs> it's like, and I was, we're we're playing some shows with Kaleido. They've had the same thing. Like, it's yeah. just like, oh my god, I'm like, I know we've got our four chord members, and it's always that one person. So, screw it, I'm gonna play. Yeah, <laughs> tired of reprinting fucking tour posters, people. Come on, right? Like, <laughs> luckily, luckily, like the last guitarist we had quit the day of the photo shoot, so that was good. And then we kind of decided to do a hired gun thing for this last guy who's super cool, really nice guy. And it was just hired gun and it never felt like it fit right. And again, girlfriend situation, mm. not a fan of, of, you know, anyway, but anyway, no, I, so I just picked up what you just laid down and you yeah. laid it down and I picked it up. I'm like, Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So uh, I'm just going to play. Mm, and it's awesome. been actually really, really liberating. You know what I think happened? My dad, I took him on Ship Rocks, and he's never been a, a huge, like, he's never been into the active rock world at all. He didn't know who any of these bands we've ever, we play with are. Um, so I took him on Ship Rocks. He watched Papa Roach. He watched Nothing More. He watched uh, Emotionless and White, I Prevail, all these bands. And he really liked Papa Roach a lot and Nothing More. Um so then he started listening to like Octane and like um, doing, you know, his rock and roll studies. He's about to retire. He's been in medical for a very long time and he's just looking for other stuff to do. He had so much fun on Ship Rocks that I, he got one of those temporary tattoo sleeves that you nice. stick on and wash off. And he loved it so much that he got his first tattoo at like 60. I don't know how old he is, but um, retirement age. Wow. And he got a, a wolf on his arm, a half sleeve, took 10 hours, and like, and he wanted it to be longer, so he got an extension with feathers so people could see it through his scrubs for the next two years while he's That's still working, awesome. or half a year or whatever. And he's, he found my old guitar in a closet and picked it up and decided he wanted to start learning how to play. So, That's so cool. He, he started playing, and I was like, wait, I need to start playing again. <laughs> That is, God, you know, that is such an awesome story because I think it goes to show that you, any, there's no, there's no like excuse. Like age is not an excuse, gender is not an excuse. You know, the fact that you pick something up, put it down because you have to use it. I mean, it, there's, if you feel it, fucking do it. You know, yeah. that's you know, and for you to pick it back up, you're, you're going through this vocal thing at the same time. So you got this going on. They're like, you know, I might as well just pick up the guitar because. 
dudes and their fucking girlfriends. Come on. <laughs> Sorry. You know, I'm, I you think know? it's like I got I got a lot of I, I got to thank my mom and dad because my mom was like single parent, stubborn mm. as hell, like, you know, just making it work with me and my spoiled brat sister. We were pain in the butt. Like I was not an easy kid. And <laughs> You know, and she did it and she was always strong. And I think like no matter what, she was determined. She made everything that she needed to do happen. And it was inspiring. And my dad always, he said to me, like not too long ago on the phone, I was like, dad, I started getting really sentimental. I'm like, you know, remember when you told me like I could do anything I wanted to do when I grow up? And like, I actually, I think I actually believed you. And he's like, you believed that crap? <laughs> <laughs> uh, because you told me I could. Uh-huh, I did, yeah. I told hmm. my, my, my kid, uh, who's nine um, and is awesome, uh, who, uh, which I wanted to tie this into the Lizzie story. So I, we took him out. Um, we had Hailstorm at, uh, at Rockfest, which, I, which we mentioned. We hang out with you guys at a couple of years back. And it was his first time there. He was seven. So it was a couple of years ago, and uh, and Hailstorm was there, and you know before the the festival, he he kind of knew, but you know he's nine, and like 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 radio is not really like a kid thing that nine year old kids is like, yeah, my dad's on the radio, whatever, and doesn't he didn't care, mm-hmm. um, but I started to kind of like say, hey, you know, you're gonna you know you're coming to Rockfest for a day, and it was hit the yeah, Hailstorm was uh, headlining that night, no co-headlining because Godsmack closed down, um, so I'm like, hey, you know here you know check out these you know if you want to listen to some music, you know he's a YouTube dork, so he's out jumping on YouTube and he's he found hailstorm and found Lizzie and we got there and he sat because he doesn't, you know, we sat up in the front seats. Nobody was there. The gates weren't even open. And he just sat there and he's like, I'm going to wait for that girl. And I was like, it is 10 o'clock in the morning, son. Oh, we, but we got a chance to go back and, uh, and he got a chance to meet her. Uh, and I, I tweeted out a picture, uh, to the band as he was sitting there and nobody, there's nobody on the grounds. It's just him all by himself looking up at the stage. And I'm like, wait, he's just waiting for Lizzie. And she retweeted it. And then like, now they're like Insta friends or something. I don't, I don't know. Like he talks to oh her. Oh my gosh. Like, that's so adorable. The, the <laughs> coolest, weirdest child story ever. But you know, he is so into, and this, you know, this goes back to telling your kids to be whatever they, they want to be. And yeah, it's something that, you know, I'm, yeah, you, you can be whatever you want to be, but when they find their like thing and you let them, you know, you don't hold them back from what they are into. I mean, music is a, is a tough, tough industry to make it in. There's, trust me, there's tons of bands that are here in this town and, and towns around the country that are playing every single weekend, doing covers, writing one original and playing that as their token thing, but to actually go for it, to go all in. You know, he is a nerd to the bone, my child. And he he could tell you how to like rewire a Tesla. He is just like geek, total geek. So now him I'm like, you know you could be the next Elon Musk. And that's like his thing now. Like he's like, <laughs> SpaceX, psh, just wait. I'm like, you know, so when you, when you tell kids that and then they find that thing, and I'm, I'm guessing that at some point when you were young, you found, when you found the music, when you're like, yep, here's my thing and I'm going to make it my thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. you go back to that, you know, the dad talk, be whatever you want to be. And then you go and do it. Yeah. I, I keep like going back to like, when was that moment where I decided that music was it? And I don't think there was one moment. I think it happened like it kept 
appearing mm-hmm. as like the right path. Um, and I like I'm starting to think now it started in my recorder class in elementary school. Oh. Like, did you ever have that? Oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Fourth grader just got his first recorder. It's amazing. Yeah, and that was like, I, I like I really have to think back because I have the worst memory ever anyway. But um, so I was like recorder and. In middle school, I decided to be to join band, mm-hmm. and I played the tuba because I wanted the weirdest instrument with the weirdest noise. <laughs> you are the uh, same size as a tuba. <laughs> yeah, I was the only tuba player. I remember having to carry that because I lived across the street from the middle school and having to carry it home for practice. <laughs> my sister and my little sister would like throw toilet paper rolls in the top, and I'd be like, "Why does it sound so weird?" <laughs> But uh, I didn't. I didn't decide to keep playing it in high school because I didn't want to be the. I was already dorky enough in middle school. I was like, I don't want to go into my new high school with a giant tuba on Friday nights football <laughs> games, you know. So I stopped playing the tuba, and then that's when I got guitar um, in my freshman year of high school. So I guess it just kept kind of happening. And uh, out of college, I remember um, I sold some equipment and I was a DJ for a little bit. <laughs> like I spun records, like, Technique 1200 MK2s. DJ, it was DJ. Orlando. So it was like break beats, really horrible break beats. And usually had a female vocal over it somewhere or maybe some like reggae kind of vibe. But um, I don't know. So then I, I got tired of that because I didn't like the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, there was just too many drugs involved and I just didn't like all that. So I sold that, got a Fender half stack and started playing guitar again. Um, and then, you know, just played guitar for a long time. I did acoustic three nights a week. I remember I used to be really, really nervous to play in front of people. I write all these songs on an acoustic guitar and just never playing them in front of people. And I realized that I had to play in front of people if this was something that I wanted to do. So I started forcing myself three nights a week. Um, And I remember shaking, like... I was just nervous, like in the lights, I'm at some little tea coffee joint and I'm just like shaking, trying to play Nancy Sinatra bang bang on acoustic guitar. And it was terrifying, Um, but I kept doing it and kept doing it and getting up in front of people. Then I started hosting an open mic night and I got really good with it. Um, And it took a lot of forcing myself to do it, to actually like start feeling more comfortable and you know, I still get those moments where I'm terrified, but I know that once I get on the stage, it's like the light bulb turns on. Yeah. And you're not, you know, a a sedentary artist, you know, you don't just get on the stage and your mic's in the center and then stand there for 30, 45, 90 seconds or 90 minutes. There's, (laughs) there's a lot going on. There's jumping around, there's head banging, there's jumping on stands. There's, at one point, floating over a crowd in a giant fucking inflatable unicorn. I mean, things are happening. So this, you know, this went from, and this is, it's a really cool transitional story from, you know, having that fear of performing in front of people um, and then working at it, honing at it, put, putting yourself in a very uncomfortable situation. And all of a sudden you get better and then it gets easier and it gets easier. And then next thing you know, again, everybody should have giant inflatable unicorns in their future <laughs> at some point. 
and just make it a part of somehow incorporate it into your life. You should. Yeah. You know, I stopped doing it because I, I didn't want it to become a, a gimmick. I didn't want to like be the band that brings the inflatable unicorn out. And then for the rest of our lives, we have to, I have to go on this thing. And it was epic for like a year. I did yeah. that. And I was just like loving it until the one time it popped at rock on the range and I <laughs> fell on everyone's hands and it was really embarrassing. But, uh, that was the last time I wrote that one. Yeah. Not going to say that I won't ever get back up on one. I didn't get hurt, but okay. it was like, oh, that was really embarrassing on the big screen television. <laughs> like, you know what? Fuck it. Next time, real unicorn. We're going next real level. Unicorn, real unicorn, right? Real unicorn. We're going to make it happen. Uh, when you, this brought up an interesting uh, uh, interview that I did years ago with Miles Kennedy uh, from Alter Bridge. Because he had this, I mean, he had up to a point like debilitating stage fright, like was obviously an, an amazing singer, an amazing performer, an amazing guitar player. But literally he told me like, I would puke six, seven, eight times before he would go onto a stage. He was just that. And then, but the same thing, he, he repetition and went through it and went through it. And obviously he's found some success for himself with not only ultra bridge, but with miles Kennedy, but it, it, that goes to show you. And again, with the trajectory of this podcast, get comfortable being uncomfortable and then you're just gonna you're gonna take those steps and every day is gonna be a little bit easier and then you're gonna go remember when i was afraid to get on stage now look at me you know riding a real unicorn through the middle of the goddamn rock on the range is what's gonna happen people <laughs> put it on the list it's gonna be yeah amazing. you know and i think that um being complacent and just like i i think the most terrifying thing to me is not growing and not going through those uncomfortable, scary times and like coming out stronger. It's like, um, I listen to a lot of Tony Robbins. I don't know if yeah. you like oh, him, yeah. but he gives me strength sometimes when I don't have it myself. And, um, and I realized like, oh yeah, I forgot. That's the way that you should be thinking. And like the stuff that happens, like you grow through what you go through kind of yeah. thing. Um, it's just like how you handle it and your brain, your brain will automatically be like, if you fail at something, it'll automatically be like, if I, if I told myself I was going to fail, then I start thinking that way. And then you want to be right. So you're like, okay, well I failed. So obviously, you know, I'm not going to do this and you stop doing it. But if you keep trying that thing and you succeed, then your brain goes, oh, okay, I, I can do this. And you know, you fall a couple times on the way up, but you get this point where you, where you succeed. And the more you start doing that, the more you start succeeding, the more your brain goes, okay, like I got this. Like, I know it's scary and I know that I'm terrified, but I know that I'm going to come out stronger on the other side and learn something. Yeah. Failure is, it, nobody wants to fail. Nobody wants to lose. Nobody wants to fall. Everybody wants to, to stay in the comfort zone. But failure teaches us so many important things. You know, obstacles teach us so many important things. If you can go through it and you, you have a failure, you have a misstep, something happens, and you, you look at it like you mentioned. If you look at it like in that, well, nope, I failed. I can't do that. That's that's obviously I don't have the, the skill set or the talent or the, the want to do that. But if you analyze it and say, okay, why did I fail? Why did I not succeed at what I was attempting to do? Well, it's because you didn't, you know, study this aspect of it or look out for this or you know you need a little more of this and you're like well if i really just took those elements and put them all together and tried it again and succeeded well then i've just accomplished you know i've, I've overcome that failure i've taken what i've learned from it and grown now that's just 
part of your arsenal. Now I know not to do that or I know I need to do more of this. And that's, you know, for successful people or people who are really driven. Um, and I find that in, you know, and Tony Robbins is a fantastic example. I mean, he's, man, I get up, my, my part of my morning routine is to get up and immediately go to YouTube and I don't watch it, but I just, I turn on, you know, type in motivation. Actually, at this point, like shit just pops up like here, you should watch this. I'm like, I should, <laughs> I should watch Dwayne, the rock Johnson workout. This is getting yes. jacked up. Oh my God. Wow. And then I start watching. I'm like, man, that, that dude's amazing. He is so cool. I'm, wow. I, he's another one that I got to meet. I, I technically threw a hug through Jack Black. I'm sure he's hugged Dwayne Johnson yeah. and I've hugged Dwayne through Jack at one point. It's like instead of six degrees of Kevin Bacon, it's now two degrees of Jack Black. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we've just developed a new thing. Like I am technically, and that would put me. Uh, let's see, I've hugged you. You've hugged Jack Black. Jack Black has probably hugged The Rock. I'm like three people away. It, yeah, it basically yeah. happened in real life. <laughs> One but day you'll see. I, I I have no doubt. I have no doubt. I had <laughs> I had to record his return to SmackDown last night because he was back doing his uh, back doing his thing. But there's there's so many ways to find you know. Even if it's just something, if it's not something that you're related to, obviously, if you're not into entrepreneurship or business, you can still listen to a guy like Gary Vaynerchuk and be like, that dude just gets me jacked up because he's got so much energy. Or Tony Robbins, if you're not into any of the things that he's talking about, just the way that he talks about overcoming. Um, and we, you've talked in this podcast about the challenges that you've had to overcome with uh, with the vocal cords, with you know, guitar players' girlfriends, and you know, just <laughs> having to put all these elements back in to keep your you know, your dream going to keep your path, um, in the right direction. Um, you know, it's, it's finding that inspiration that, that we can do. Oh, hi. My nine-year-old just stopped in. Hi. Hi buddy. <laughs> he loves to come down when I'm doing stuff. Come here, come here and say hi to Mixie. He's got <laughs> pajamas on. So don't, you know. Me too. Hi. Hi. What are those PJs? They're Minecraft. Oh, of course. Minecraft. I'm not very good at that game. All I know is I keep punching trees and it doesn't build anything. <laughs> but yeah, so there's, when you have a, a movement, um, and I think 2019, big year for, for Stitched Apart, big year for you, um, you know, a lot of uh, writing going on, uh, new album done. But what is, um, you know, what's the rest of 2019? Obviously, you have the Steel Panther tour. I can't wait for your mother to see it. I want you to text me her, her personal <laughs> review of the whole thing. And, uh, maybe maybe I'll get her up on stage when they uh, uh, when they get all the ladies on stage. You know what uh, I'm saying? I've, I've been a part of that, but she uh, doesn't know what that what happens. I'm totally no. I'm not going to do that nah, to her. She wouldn't do it anyway. But um, yeah, I mean we've got another song coming out on the 11th. We're releasing songs kind of like almost every month. Um, on in November, however, we are going to start the pre-orders for the album. Awesome. Uh, Black Friday, darkness pre-orders will start, and then uh, next year is going to be probably the biggest year. So keep, um, you know, keep an eye out. You're on Instagram. You're on the Twitter. You're on the website. You're on Facebook. Yeah, if you just go to stitchedupheart.org, mm -hmm. you'll find all the Twitter, which is Stitched Apart, the Instacart, Facebook, Stitched Apart Rock, I believe. Um, but yeah. Uh, stitchedapart.org and the YouTube, all that good stuff. And do you, I, I want I want people to give a chance to to know Mixie and that it's not 
like I don't I don't know if you sleep, but the music, learning guitar, vocal work, planning a tour, and like saving every single animal that walks <laughs> on planet Earth. How can people find out more about the causes that you're behind? Because I know you do so many amazing things. Uh, you're a painter. You're a model. You're a again humanitarian. I mean, the business card is extremely long for you. You do a lot of stuff. Uh, honestly, like when we're in between tours, I need something happy to focus on, and what makes me happy is animals, kittens. Um, Specifically, kittenrescue.org is the organization I foster the bottle baby kittens from. Yep. Um, and they're always accepting donations. They they save the baby babies that can't feed themselves and don't, don't have parents that need to be, like, bottle fed. Wow. So I usually take some in and then I help donate and stuff like that. I have my clothing company, Filthy Animal Clothing uh, Company.com that uh, donates a percentage of proceeds to the kitten rescue as well. Um, and then I got, I got pulled into the equestrian world in Malibu after the fires. Yeah. Um, this rescue I found called Big Heart Ranch out in Malibu um, rescues horses, donkeys, cows, or not cows, but pigs, uh, goats, chickens, ducks, I don't know. They have like a <laughs> they lot have of animals. They have it all. Platypus? No platypus. Yeah. Maybe a platypus? Roosters, rabbits, like everything. Wow. I found a, a 28-year-old horse that I fell in love with that they just got like a, I don't know, a couple months before the fire. And then they had to move the, the whole 60, 60-something animals to Glendale when the fire in Malibu happened. Yeah. And then move them all back. So the horse was a little scared. And they had rescued her. She was malnourished. And she's 28 they only live to like 30 something and she's got melanoma and she's on her last years you know but we connected and now i just go up there and help them feed and brush and stuff like that so um but right now i'm surprised i haven't been attacked by kittens because i have two foster kittens right now that are almost available for adoption but you can go to kittenrescue.org if you are interested they're, they're, they make guest appearances behind you every once in a while. They'll just be like a head will pop up and then it'll move on and the head will pop back up. It's it, making their own cameos there. And I think yeah. I also have a monster uh, towel on my stove too. So oh yeah, I feel like the monster towels. We got so many of those that like it's the best towels. I even had one in my shower for oh, yeah. a while. Yeah, I mean I got I'm loud and proud yeah. right behind me. Yeah, I'm living the dream. Monster and let's just talk about them really quick because they have seriously. We've been, they've been sponsoring us for a few years now, and if it wasn't for them, we would not be able to be comfortable on tour. We wouldn't, we wouldn't be able to afford an RV. Um, you know, they're they're making a backdrop, our new backdrop that we're going to have for this next run, and some uh, a monster tent we're going to get so that if it's raining or something, we can put it our gear underneath it when we're loading and all that, and for festivals, um, your merch and stuff like that. And they've just been amazing i actually ran into tim when i went to go see papa roach bad wolves asking alexandria recently and he just said that you know they don't really have too many rock bands that they they back um anymore they just signed steel panther actually but um but we're one of the few and he really believes in us and i was like really, really? <laughs> i love you i love you yeah i mean like so great. you know Monster keeps our driver going on the road, and yeah. <laughs> so had, uh, it's very, they've been nothing but great. Yeah, we had, uh, you know, and hashtag Monster Podcast, by the way, if anybody's listening, we're, we're, we're trending that on, uh, 
on the social media is amazing company to work for. They, they do it right. Yeah, they do a lot of charity and a lot of people don't actually see what they do aside from just, you know, sponsor the, the motocross and all that, you know, yeah. and have really cute girls and like mini skirts and stuff. But they do. Know, I, I never even noticed. I never even noticed that once. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> what, what girls? Um, but yeah, they do a lot for the community and um, they're just a really great company. Uh, I want to end with this, uh, and I think it, it ties together with our last conversation, our last sentence. Um, the re- the movement, and it, it, it wasn't a movement because there's always been really powerful female artists in rock and roll. There's always been icons, um, but in the last ten years, this movement has happened, and not just like, oh, well, here's a band with a pretty girl, and then go out because that's what we're gonna sell it on, but like girls that go out and just kick the fuck out of a show i mean just own it and own who they are and you know are selling that band on their own merit and their own talents but there is so much girl power out in rock and roll right now it is and it was so awesome to see lizzie you know you ash just i mean there's a laundry list of artists that are out there just killing it and there was a picture that i think you posted I'm not sure if it was from that that recent event, but it was you. I know I know Lizzie was in there. Um, was Juliet Lewis in that one too? Just all this like raw chick talent. It was just that. How is, does it feel like empowering to be a part of a part of that community and part of that crew of badasses? You know, it's weird because when you're when I think that it's going to be one of those things we look back at like 10, 20 years from now mm-hmm. and realize how big of a movement it is because we don't really know what I'm getting chills just talking about it because I really do think this is a this is one of those things that you're going to remember about this time Mm -hmm. like it's just one of those things and I think that I think that there's a lot of women that have shown me that they've been able to do it like when we did the hailstorm uh in this moment run I watched them and I saw like this really like this hope that like right. yeah we can do this like i know that that it's possible if you just stick it out and if you just work through it and like you can make it there you just can't give up ever and you have to work right. your butt off for it and you know I, I i think that it's something that's bigger than what we see right now yeah. like nirvana didn't know what was going to happen with nirvana yeah. you know like the whole entire 80s hair metal scene didn't know that was going to be a thing. Like, it was just like grunge didn't know it was going to be a thing. This is like a a different thing for rock, I think, that we won't realize is as big as it is until later. Yeah. And I, think, I believe. I, I, I think you're 100% accurate because what it's doing and what it's done, I think you're kind of a product of that is you have the artists that you've looked up to and – five, 10, 15, you, you kind of go back and there were, there were some, but there were so fewer. And it was a, it seemed like a male dom, it's especially rock and roll male dominated, real, you know, balls out kind of dirty rock and roll. And then it evolved. And then, it, you know, I think grunge was kind of part of that evolution of things just because it made it less like, no, it's, you know, eighties hair metal. So it's all, you know, glam and, you know, strippers and blow and you know motley crew videos into now where you have this i mean maria i forgot how did i forget to throw maria brink in there yeah but now you have all of these incredibly talented female 
artists, not just front women. I mean, drummers. I mean, look at like Jen Ledger and you look at um, anybody else, you know, the other female drummers that are out there. Uh, Pop Evil. Can't think of her name. Why yeah. is it? Yes. Um, but now you have these fans that are looking up at the stage or they're, you know, watching a video on YouTube or following you on Instagram and they no longer feel like they're like, well, I can do it. You know, that's another one. I think even Tony Robbins has said that if it's been done before, it can be done. And to see that it's it's so massive and it's 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 part of this power movement, a younger generation of artists and talent that and if they have the, you know, the right talent and the right drive to do it, don't need to be pushed off into pop or be pushed off into country or be pushed off into a genre where it's like, oh, well, here you go. You know, pop you up on here and you sing this song. Here's your lyrics. But you can go and, and do your passion and do rock and roll because you have all of these women that are out there just owning it on stage. You, you have a guest, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there. Hello. White. Well, it is nice to meet you. <laughs> I think I um, was in the back, but yeah, there, there's more of a dog than a cat. Yeah. Um, no, I, I hundred percent, you know, okay. So this is something that's going to kind of be cool. Cause it comes full circle. Um, no doubt was a big yeah. inspiration mm-hmm. when I was like younger and I didn't realize how much it might've had an impact on me. Um, I remember seeing, uh, no doubt perform at the house of blues in Orlando where I grew up with my dad. He got me tickets for my birthday again. <laughs> and, uh, I remember watching her and seeing how energetic she was on stage and she would just run from one side of the stage to the next. And she was just so much energy. I think I might've gotten something from that, you know? Yeah. And, uh, uh, I get to play and we haven't announced the show yet but it'll be my first time ever playing that same stage in orlando at house of blues um and i just i just think it's really cool because that was a huge inspiring moment for me where you see a woman running up there owning it kicked ass i can say that and it was just like uh i think i think gwen stefani was a big part and you know avril lavigne was a huge part um for me and um I think you had like Lisa Loeb and uh, Alanis Morissette Mm -hmm. and stuff in the 90s. And then Lita Ford, which I got to that. That picture that you saw was from the AP Awards. And we all sang me, the Butcher Babies, uh, Ash, Lizzie, um, Emma, the bass player for Sick Puppies. And there was another girl, too. But uh, we all got up there with Lita Ford and sang Cherry Bomb. And... It was really cool, awesome. and I went up. It was funny because I was telling. I know we're going over time, but there's, um, no, there's no time. It's not radio. Okay. We, we don't okay, have, cool. we don't, we have no like, commercial was, break to get to. We are good. I was like bragging to Ford to this guy I just met, and I was like, "Yeah, it's gonna be so cool." Like I told my dad earlier, like I'm gonna go and sing Cherry Bomb and Lita Ford, with Lita Ford, and he's like, "You made it!" And he, and the guy I was talking to was. Lita's bass player. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, no, no. Don't tell her I said that or tell her. I don't care. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. It's fine. And then, uh, yeah, like, who cares? But yeah. um, so then afterwards, I told Lita, I'm like, we're sitting there, all of us girls together before the picture is taken. I'm like, Lita, you you did this. Yep. Like, this is a lot of your fault. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, like, it's, it's just, uh, man. But it, it's she started a huge part of this, and it just 
slowly. And I, oh, who knows, like, what will happen 10, 20 years from now when the girls that are playing in their garage, you know, are doing another whole movement. Yeah. I don't know. That's just the feminist part of No, me, I, I think it's legit because I think when you, when you think of, like, garage band, you think, like, stoners in a garage somewhere. They're all dudes, long hair. You know, that's that's the the image that kind of comes up. And maybe I watched a little too much Days and Confused. I'm not sure. But <laughs> but now that, you know, the example has been set, you know, it's it's front and center. You know, they're headlining arenas. They are, you know, putting their own tours. You know, you guys put the, your own tours together. Um, and it's just like it's there. It's out. And, and young fans are seeing it. And young artists are seeing it and saying, oh, yeah, we can do this. Yeah, yeah. We, we can go out and kick I hope ass. so. Yeah. They, you can do anything you ever dreamed, guys. <laughs> you see, from her father's mouth now to hers to the entire <laughs> podcast world, you can be anything you want to be. Yeah. Mixie, thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate you hanging out with me for a little while on a Saturday. No, yeah, it's all good. Your your hair looks great, and we'll <laughs> we'll keep that you know that side story to ourselves. Uh, <laughs> but it's uh it's all good. It's great to catch up. Um, best of luck on the Steel Panther tour and the rest of the year and the new record. And if you're in the neck of the woods, let me know. I'm always down to do whatever. Maybe organize it with with Decker next time. I know that like we leave the alcoholic in charge of everybody, but <laughs> he usually handles like the tour managing so if we're coming anywhere near you which i think yeah. we're going to madison um Perfect. like let us know we're totally down to say hi even if just grab some uh monster energy and some lunch <laughs> or something you know no wine don't grab any wine not for our drummer <laughs> yeah, no mas no i uh, definitely will and thank you so much and uh and we'll, we'll put all the links to uh your social medias in the show notes for this episode and again it's available everywhere podcasts are heard so Hope you uh, enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Inspiring. Thank you for the story. Thank you for opening up. I know, you know, telling a story for the first time can be. I yeah. See this. You know, it's cool. Is this like everybody else just hearing the audio? I get to see the lip biting. Like I'm sorry. But no, <laughs> I, I it, have said all that no, stuff. no. It's, I I know it has to be said. It's something that needs to be said. But it's 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 such a great story of of overcoming a when you're a singer a gigantic obstacle and something that I'm sure puts you in, in a very fearful position of, you know, oh no, this, this could, if this turns out in, in one way, where, where's my life go? But you overcame it. You're killing it, picking up the guitar. Damn. Kicking its ass, <laughs> Nick. You're just kicking its ass and I love it. And thank you so much. I appreciate your time. I appreciate you. Hearts. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Can't say thanks enough to Mixie from Stitched Up Heart for joining me on the podcast. Don't forget, stitchedupheart.org is their website, and you can link up with them on all of their socials. Speaking of socials, follow me on the socials. Just search Welcome to Cooperville. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and the Instagram. Find out about upcoming guests, little motivational bonuses, and so much more. It is the Welcome to Cooperville podcast. Wherever you listen, be sure to subscribe so you get updates about new episodes coming your way as they drop.